Canada. Hello. Incredible people. I am thrilled to be in this great state where we, by the way, had a great victory. Tampa, Florida. President Trump addresses a rally of his supporters, but it's not his stance on ID cards and tariffs on American farmers that grabs the attention of many onlookers. It's the signs and T-shirts on display in the crowd. Some of them read, Where we go one, we go all. Or, The Great Awakening. Or, We are Q. Messages displayed by followers of a complicated pro-Trump conspiracy theory which has jumped from fringe social media sites to mainstream attention. You're listening to the BBC Trending Podcast. I'm Anissa Subedar. And I'm Mike Wendling. And this week, we're delving into the bizarre world of QAnon, a far-fetched conspiracy theory which has captured the imagination of a fringe group of Trump supporters online, and it's being pushed by prominent figures in the US. Mike, I think to explain what QAnon is, we need to kind of get to how all this started. Right, and so let's go back, because the story begins in October 2017. That's when an anonymous user posted a series of messages on the message board 4chan. The user who signed off as Q claimed to have top security clearance within the US government. Now, from what we know about 4chan, it doesn't seem like the most natural destination for a government leak. Yeah, so we've covered this on Trending before, but if you haven't encountered 4chan, it's a very loosely moderated message board, which has been a breeding ground for a number of online movements, including, over the past couple of years, the alt-right. So Q posts these messages on 4chan, and the theory they push is, well... It's unlikely, right? Yeah, well, that's an understatement, Anissa. (laughs) Without getting too much into all the gory details, let me explain a little bit about what the conspiracy theory actually says. So, as we know, there's an ongoing special investigation into allegations that during the 2016 election, the Trump campaign coordinated, or the legal term is colluded, with the Russian government. So we hear that in the news all the time at the moment. All the time. It's a complicated investigation by the man who's been appointed special counsel. His name's Robert Mueller. Some people, both Russians and Americans, have been charged with crimes as a result of that investigation. The case against the Trump campaign certainly has not been proven yet. But, of course, the steady drip of details about the investigation and the indictments doesn't exactly reflect well on the White House in the media. Those are the facts. Now for the conspiracy theory. The core of the QAnon story is that the Mueller investigation isn't investigating the Trump campaign at all, that that's just a cover story. Q says that Robert Mueller is actually conducting an investigation into global elites and that the president is masterminding a secret plan to arrest top politicians and Hollywood stars for corruption and for child abuse. It's kind of a spin-off, Mike, of the debunked Pizzagate saga, which resulted in a man opening fire in a Washington pizza restaurant back in 2016. Now, he believed a Democratic Party-run paedophile ring was based there, which was complete fiction, of course. It was a case that showed how even niche online theories can have a dramatic and, and dangerous impact. For some reason, in this latest conspiracy theory, 
Trump's secret plan is being revealed to a niche internet message board via Q through cryptic messages that frequently just do not appear to make any sense. And they're open to countless interpretations, like this one. Do you believe in coincidences? Blunt and direct time. BDT. Think currency. Think fireworks. Despite the open-ended nature of Q's messages and the complete lack of tangible evidence, Q quickly gained a cult following. Other anonymous users began to interpret the clues or breadcrumbs and built on Q's story. But some others were quick to notice and started debunking it. It's sort of this mega conspiracy theory that has uh, really caught on with supporters of President Trump. Will Sommer is a journalist at the Daily Beast, an online news site. He also writes a newsletter about right-wing media. He's been following the Q saga very closely. There's no evidence that this person knows anything in reality, but it's sort of been embraced by uh, Trump supporters as this like proof that uh, Trump is actually winning all the time. And it's this whole kind of counter-narrative to uh, what's actually going on in the world, essentially. You know, this was during the Mueller investigation, obviously, and people were really looking for, I think, on the right reasons to not think that the president was somehow in the employee of Russia or, uh, you know, something nefarious had happened during the campaign. And the events that are supposedly explained by the conspiracy theory have also been called the storm because of this interaction between President Trump and the press during a photo op with members of the U.S. military in early October last year. Remember, this happened at around the same time Q started posting online. Do you guys know what this represents? Tell us, sir. Maybe Trump does things all the time that are meant to rile up the media or he'll attack the media because he knows that the media will get very riled up about it and kind of forget whatever else they're doing and uh, sort of run that down. And so so in this case, I, I do think it's the kind of the classic Trump, uh, you know, kind of jab at the media. But nevertheless, his supporters have become, you know, many QAnon believers have become convinced that this was Trump signaling to them that that this QAnon thing was real. That's a big thing um, with QAnon people is that they're very, like, eager for any sign of Trump acknowledging them or confirming that QAnon's real or, or something like that. Which leads to supporters waving signs saying, we are Q in front of President Trump at rallies. Since that Trump rally in late July, there's been a lot of speculation in the mainstream media about the identity of Q. Let us just say at this point, it's next to impossible to prove anything about Q. If you read any information that claims to be definitive about its origins, be very sceptical. The followers of Q closely watch real news events unfolding and tie them into the version of events according to Q, no matter how unlikely those connections might be. There was this like flash of light that was seen on a webcam at the Puget Sound uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And it basically turned out to probably be like an issue with the webcam, but it almost was like a missile. And so these people, they then decide that this was an attempt to assassinate Trump on his way to the North Korea summit, that the deep state like shot off a missile at him. And speaking of the the North Korea thing, I mean, that's been very uh, folded into QAnon world. This idea that Trump has teamed up with the likes of Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un, that they're all good guys sort of against this globalist cabal. Right. OK, that sounds like an unlikely team of. Um, yes. 
The cryptic messages from Q have now migrated over to 8chan, another anonymous forum with extremely light moderation rules. But the wider theory has also filtered into more mainstream platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and videos on YouTube like this. I'm going to give you a brief overview of what we know about Q and hopefully dispel some misinformation. Now, according to NBC, the QAnon conspiracy app QDrops made the top seller list in Apple's App Store and Google's Play Store when it was launched in April. Apple has since removed the app from their store. So it's definitely escaped a few smallish, weird corners of the internet and migrated into the mainstream. But who are the people who've been sucked in by this conspiracy? Will Summer covered a small QAnon rally in Washington earlier this year. This was in, I believe, April of 2018, which is actually sort of before QAnon really started taking off. And so there were, I would say, roughly 200 people, and they were sort of marching through the streets of D.C. It was officially a march uh, for transparency against the Department of Justice. But basically what they meant was that they wanted the Department of Justice to reveal that QAnon is real. And so they were a little cryptic about it, but they were walking down and they were chanting all these QAnon slogans. Um, And for the most part, these are older people. They're like baby boomers, which also kind of mirrors what the general QAnon demographic is. I think younger people are used to 4chan and are kind of like, yeah, anyone can go on there and just make stuff up. Older people seem a little less familiar with it, and they they seem sort of easier to be misled. But what began as a very fringe group discussing theories on an internet forum is now far more visible. And on that note, Anissa, would you like some eye-popping storm stats? Mike, I am here for storm stats. Okay, so I ran an analysis of Twitter since last October when it all kicked off. There's another big hashtag that kicked off around the same time, Me Too, which we've covered on Trending before. Mm -hmm. Now, clearly, that drive against sexual abuse is one of the highest profile social media campaigns of recent years. So a good benchmark to use. Exactly. In the last three months of 2017, there were more than 5 million tweets using the hashtag MeToo. For QAnon, the figure was just over a million. So lower, but still quite significant. Right. Now here's where it gets really interesting. Over the course of 2018, MeToo has dropped off a little bit, with the occasional spike around a big news story. While QAnon is being talked about more and more. Now, I stopped running the numbers just before the Trump rally that we've mentioned, because obviously there was a ton of chats about that event and after that event. Now, we should also point out that not everyone tweeting the word QAnon will be a supporter, will be a true believer. A lot of those tweets will be skeptical or even mocking the QAnon believers. But still, the total numbers are really quite striking. Nearly 15 million total tweets mentioning QAnon. That's a million and a half more than Me Too. That is a staggering storm stat, Mike. Right. Now, because of the social media chatter, and at the same time propelling some of the social media chatter, a number of celebrities and media personalities have latched onto the conspiracy, including the actress Roseanne Barr, former baseball player, current Breitbart podcast host Kurt Schilling, and Alex Jones, who we covered last week on the program when we looked into the Sandy Hook conspiracy theory. He has also pushed QAnon in the past. It's Christmas Eve, and I have come into the office to stream this emergency transmission on YouTube and Facebook because if this doesn't get major attention and if this doesn't break through into the public's psyche, the globalists have a decent chance of killing the president in the next two weeks.
It's not always clear whether the people pushing the conspiracy theory really believe that the contents of Q's cryptic messages are meaningful, or whether they're just doing it to provoke political opponents in the media. Many alt-right and far-right social media figures have been known to ironically latch on to conspiracy theories, including Pizzagate, which we mentioned before, and other ones. They do this to bash liberals and mainstream conservatives or mock legitimate news outlets when those outlets produce serious reports about the theories. But it's also clear that QAnon has hooked some true believers. Here's Will Sommer from The Daily Beast again to explain. So uh, back in June, uh, some QAnon supporters were feeling disappointed based on the way sort of events were going in U.S. politics. This was right after this inspector general report on the Hillary Clinton email investigation, which was supposed to had been kind of hyped up in QAnon world as sort of like a precursor to the storm that it was going to reveal all this stuff. Uh, And it came out and it kind of flopped. It was like, eh, no one cares. So this this armed man in Arizona blocked a highway near the Hoover Dam. Well, a scare in southern Nevada plays out right in front of drivers and also grabs the attention of the country as a man with a gun. He had like this like improvised armored truck and he had some guns. And people stuck in traffic left to wonder what's happening, adding mystery to the situation, a message in a window. Yeah, that message. And he was holding up these signs, uh, you know, essentially doing QAnon stuff, calling for the release of the real Inspector General report. No more lies. We the people demand full disclosure. We elected you to do a duty. You said you were going to lock certain people up if you were elected. You have yet to do that. Uphold your oath. We the people demand it. Please, Mr. President, we deserve the truth. That was a recording made by the man who was arrested, Matthew Wright. Uh, He was recording inside the armored truck. Since being arrested, he's written letters to President Trump peppered with various QAnon slogans. And he's not the only one. A group in Tucson, Arizona, claimed they found a center for child sex trafficking. Police investigated and found nothing, but they did arrest the leader of the group, called Veterans on Patrol, for trespassing. Now, political conspiracy theories are nothing new, but there are a few things about QAnon that makes it unusual. I spoke to Joseph Uzinski, professor at the University of Miami and author of the book American Conspiracy Theories. You have this person or persons that actually exist, and they're putting out these breadcrumbs over time. So instead of looking backward like at the Kennedy assassination or 9-11, you have something that's ongoing, that people are sort of waiting for the next breadcrumb, the next clue to come out from this Q person. So it's got everybody on the edge of their heels waiting, what are we going to find out next? What's going to be the next big development? You've looked at many, many more conspiracy theories than this one. And tell us how that compares to the general population of people who might be inclined to believe conspiracy theories. Yeah, so a a very simple model to think about it is that people have a disposition to believe in conspiracy theories or not. And then we have another set of preferences that tells us which conspiracy theories we will believe in, if any. And then we have our relative position of power or how threatened or how powerful we feel. And that determines if we're going to act on the conspiracy theories we believe in. So um, for, for Trump, he has created this situation for Republicans where they feel threatened right now by a big state and by this investigation by Robert Mueller and by a Democratic Congress. And even though Republicans have essentially all the power, 
um, he's created this view that they don't and that they're constantly under siege. So, I mean, one of the things that comes out is that actually it's people who aren't in power who are generally drawn to conspiracy theories. They feel powerless. But in this case, it's a little bit weird because their guy, Trump, is in the White House. The Republicans have control of Congress. What's sort of driving the, the sort of people, quote, in power believing this conspiracy theory? It's Donald Trump. He actively espouses conspiracy theories, and he has to do that because this is how he built his coalition. He put together a coalition of conspiracy theorists, and he had to do that. He had no other choice. And the reason is when he got into the race, there were 22 other Republican candidates who were essentially dividing up the more mainstream Republican primary vote. There was no room for Donald Trump to compete in that space. He could not compete against Jeb Bush in terms of governing experience or having mainstream Republican attitudes. He had to go after this underserved market, which was the more conspiratorially inclined Republicans. And these are people who the mainstream Republicans won't normally go after because they're much less likely to vote. But Trump went after them. He mobilized them. And he did that by constantly saying conspiracy theories. And just to give you one example, when he just about had the Republican nomination wrapped up, I mean, he could have switched tactics and stopped with the conspiracy stuff and the fear-mongering. Instead, he comes out and says, I believe that Senator Ted Cruz's dad killed uh, JFK, which is crazy. There's no evidence for this whatsoever. But he pushes it. And the question is, why would he do this? Why wouldn't he move towards you know more sane rhetoric? But the answer is, he had to keep going with these conspiracy theories to keep his prime constituency uh, motivated. And that's what he did throughout the entire campaign, and that's what he's continuing to do. Joseph Izinski, professor at the University of Miami. And let's just be very clear here. President Trump has never directly referenced the QAnon theory. But of course, that has not stopped the conspiracy theorists. The incident on the bridge in Arizona, the tweets by Roseanne and the prominence of Q signs at President Trump's rally in Tampa have led to more coverage of QAnon in the media. But is it always a good idea to report on conspiracy theories that are so obviously false? It's a question we've asked ourselves. Whitney Phillips is Assistant Professor of Communication, Culture and Digital Technologies at Syracuse University. And she says that media outlets need to be careful when reporting on conspiracy theories. When you are publishing something, you just don't know what audiences are actually going to intercept something that you put out into the world. And so by simply debunking, you could be reaffirming the idea in certain audiences. If a particular conspiracy only exists within a particular community, all reporting will do is amplify that concept so that more and more people are exposed to it. And it's not just journalists. We can all contribute to the spread of disinformation, even if we're trying to do the exact opposite. Social media just helps amplify things that even if you are a person on Twitter who only has 35 followers, one of your followers might have 500 followers and one of their followers might have 10,000 followers. And so simply by retweeting something or making a comment on something can help spread information 
in ways that you can't necessarily anticipate when you are first saying something. So even if you're responding to, you know, the conspiracy by rolling your eyes at it, you don't know simply by doing that if you're going to then bring more true believers into the fold. Mike, the problem is that many of us want to understand what's happening in the fringes. Yeah, especially when incidents like the Pizzagate shooting happen. People want to understand where the motivation comes from. So Whitney uses the example of mainstream media stories about Infowars, Alex Jones's media outlet. The danger and the risk is that not everyone who reads those stories are of the same attitude towards these outlets. So, you know, a lot of the people who end up on the receiving end of these explainers are people who then end up getting slowly radicalized over time or who have things brought to their attention that they maybe are amenable to, sympathetic towards. You end up having these explainers that are geared towards liberals benefiting in complex ways, the very people that the articles are criticizing and attacking. And Whitney Phillips says conspiracy theorists closely watch how they're portrayed in the media. These behaviors don't occur in a vacuum. Not only do these individuals tend to follow mainstream media coverage very closely, they tend to cater their messages to maximize media exposure, that they love it when they're in the news. Certainly Q, whoever it is behind the messages, the person, the group, misleading a growing number of people, is lapping up the attention. In recent days, Q has posted links to media stories and has claimed the coverage is, quote, right on schedule. They even kindly shared a link to our BBC trending blog on the conspiracy, of course calling us and other outlets fake news. So oddly, we are now officially part of the conspiracy. Yep, and the account recently published this message. Welcome to the mainstream. We knew this day would come. There's a storm coming. You'd better run. There's a ship that's it this week for the BBC Trending Podcast. I'm Anissa Subedar. And I'm Mike Wendling. Our thanks to producer Elizabeth Cassin. Our studio managers were Tom Brignall and James Beard. Please get in touch. Tell us what you thought about the programme. And you can do that by sending us a tweet or a Facebook message. And if you like trending, there are other BBC podcasts that you might like as well. One particular favourite of ours is People Fixing the World. Stories about inspirational characters and ideas from around the globe. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From us here on Trending, that's all for now, but we'll be back in your feed very soon. 